Hi, and welcome to the Parenting in the Middle podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Goodman. I'm a certified life coach and a mom to four teenagers. Do you ever wonder if you're doing this whole mom thing right? Are you pushing too hard or not enough? What does it look like to love your teens, yet keep firm boundaries? Would you love to get your kids to listen without yelling and feeling frustrated first? Here in this podcast, you will find coaching and communication strategies to help you tackle all of your hardest parenting struggles. These strategies will help you parent with more confidence, peace, and influence. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast today. So glad you're here. So today I want to focus this episode on talking about fear and talking about fear in a couple of different ways. So there's the fear that we feel that prevents us from doing things, maybe setting some goals or connecting with people, making friends. Like as an adult, there are things that we want to do and fear can keep us from maximizing our potential. So it might even be within your community or church as you serve. Maybe there's some ways that fear is holding you back. And then I want to focus on the aspect of fear that we feel when it comes to parenting our teens. How are we parenting out of fear? So overall, the episode today is going to be about fear. So the way I like to think about fear is that it only pretends to be useful, right? Fear is going to come up, of course, because we're humans, we're people, and we're going to feel fear. So how can we manage the fear that we feel, understand where it's coming from, and then lean into it so it doesn't have to stop us? And that's, I think, the most important thing to recognize is that often when we feel fear, we think it's a signal to stop. So that's what I want you to remember is that fear, feeling fear, is not a signal to stop. And there's an acronym with fear that I really like, and it goes like this. You can either forget everything and run or face everything and rise. How true is that? So start noticing when you feel fear. Notice what What's keeping you from doing the things you want to do? How are you running away when you feel fear? How are you trying to avoid it? And can you lean into it, start doing the things that scare you, that are going to help you get closer to your goals? So as you lean into the fear, it will help you get closer and closer to your goals. Those intense feelings that you feel will decrease. You will start to feel less fear. So let's take, for example, speaking in front of a big group of people that can be really scary that I think is like one of in the top five things that people are most afraid of is public speaking. It's it's scary for a lot of us. And so that is a way to create some fear. If you're asked to speak, you're going to feel some anxiety and fear. I love speaking to big groups and I always feel anxious before I get ready to speak. So it's just something that comes up, even though I've managed it and now I've realized I actually like speaking in front of big groups, I still feel anxious and fearful. But instead of running away, I face it. I've learned to lean into the fear and know that it's just an emotion in my body. It's not going to hurt me. My body is capable and it was actually created to feel any emotion, which reminds me of the definition of confidence that I really like. And this is what I've coached teens on. It's what I've coached parents on. And it is this definition of confidence 
That confidence is being willing to feel any emotion. I love that so much because I think we, most of us, were raised with this idea that to feel confident means you feel really good, you feel amazing, you don't feel fear, and you don't feel anxious. So if you feel fear and you feel anxious, you are not confident. I think that is the underlying message that we send, which is false. Because the most confident people I know had to really lean into the fear, do things they didn't want to do, in order to accomplish the things that they have. So be willing to feel fear, and in doing so, you will become more confident. Fear likes to give us thoughts that makes us want to stop. So it's just our brain's way of trying to protect us. So let's say we are speaking in front of a big group of people. Let's just use that for an example. Your brain, because it's wanting to help you, will give you thoughts to prevent you from doing the thing that you need to do because it just wants to keep you safe. So your brain gives you thoughts like, what if you forget what to say? What if you make a mistake? Who are you to speak in front of this big group of people? Like, what, what do you even know? How are you supposed to do that, right? Your brain just is like, hold on, let me give you all of the reasons why this might not work or why this might be a terrible idea because it's trying to protect you. It doesn't want you to do the scary thing because that lower part of your brain doesn't think that you can handle it. But you know that you can handle it. It's just an emotion. So you've got to notice the thoughts that are coming up that are making you feel fear, those, those insecurities, and know that they're just thoughts and it's okay. It doesn't need to stop you. Don't give that fear any more power than it needs. It's just an emotion and it's only as powerful as you let it be. So instead of believing all of the thoughts that your brain offers you to protect you, think thoughts like, all right, I hear you brain and I'm okay. I want to do this. I'm capable of doing this. I'm even excited to do this and I'm ready and willing to feel the fear and lean into it so that I can do whatever it is. You're honoring the thoughts in your mind. You're not resisting them. You're not pushing them away. You're not judging them. You're honoring them by listening to them and then your brain will settle down. It's like when your kids were little and they were really bugging you. You're in the middle of something, you're busy and they just keep coming at you like, mom, mom, mom. And you keep shooing them away and they don't stop. They just keep coming to try to tell you something. Your brain is the same way. And so as soon as you stop what you're doing, notice what your brain is telling you. Even if what it's telling you isn't relevant or important, but you take a pause and you tell your brain, just like you would tell your little kid, hey, I hear you, I see you. And to your little kid, you might say, give me like five minutes and finish this and then I will listen to the story. All right, your child will typically give you that time because they were heard, they understand, they will go do something else. And your brain is the same way. As soon as you hear it and notice the thoughts that you're thinking and say, hey, brain, I hear you, but I'm going to move forward anyway, it's okay. I'm not in any danger, I'm okay. Your brain will settle down. 
It's pretty incredible how this works. So now I want to spend some time talking about how fear impacts us as parents and how fear will lead to the reacting and the freaking out, which is going to disconnect you from your teenagers. So I don't want you to parent from fear. I want you to lean into the fear. You're going to feel the fear, definitely. I feel fear all the time. Just a couple weeks ago, my 15-year-old daughter went in a car with someone who just barely got their license, and I'm like, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay home. I want to say no, that you can't do this. But I know that those thoughts are coming from this fearful place and I want her just to stay home and be safe. But I also know that she's 15 and she wants to be with her friends and I need to let her go sometimes. And of course I have some criteria of who's driving, where are you going, who are you with, all of that. But I don't ever want to parent out of fear or make my response, like if it's a yes or a no, I don't want it to be out of fear. And so the way I manage that is notice the reasons I have for my yes and notice the reasons I have for when I say no and do I like those reasons. If I don't like the reason for saying no because I just want her to be home and safe, then I have to deal with my own anxiety and fear. That's my work to do and I don't need her to manage it for me by staying home. So I just have to let her go and feel that anxiety. We know that our kids learn and grow from making mistakes, having experiences, and we also know life is uncertain and things may happen. Car accidents may happen, and that's one of my biggest fears, but I have to be okay knowing that's that's a risk. Please be careful and drive safe, wear your seatbelt, and do all of those things that can help you, but also... You're just going to have to live with that uncertainty instead of trying to manage the uncertainty. And that was a big shift for me. When I stopped trying to manipulate and control the environment I was in and that my kids were in so that everyone could be safe, that was when I was driven the most by anxiety. I was letting the anxiety and fear that I felt drive my behavior. It drove my parenting. It drove everything. And I had to learn how to manage that fear and anxiety so that I could start being in the driver's seat again. I could notice the fear, notice the anxiety, but also know I'm in control and I'm not going to allow the fear and anxiety to manage me anymore. I want to talk about some consequences of fear-based parenting. Number one, it prevents learning through mistakes. It will inhibit your child's opportunity to not only experience joyful free play, to go and have fun. I mean, they might not feel the anxiety and fear, so I don't want to put that fear in them. They get to just have fun and enjoy their life. And by putting my anxiety onto them, it will inhibit that. And it will also hinder their development and their opportunity to make mistakes and learn through natural consequences. I don't want to prevent them from... Of course, I want to keep them safe. I mean, seriously, in my brain right now, I'm like, no, I would rather <laughs> keep my child from experiencing anything bad from happening. Honestly, if I let my lower brain drive, that is what I would want. But think about the experiences that they would miss out on from being able to learn and make mistakes because that's another area where confidence is strengthened is knowing you can handle hard things. If you don't ever experience anything hard, you don't know that you can handle it. 
which will create more anxiety and this trying to prevent anything bad from happening. So notice if you're trying to rescue your child a lot, and I've definitely been there in that fearful parenting place, and then I've gone to the more relaxed, passive parenting place, and so that's where I love to really just land in the middle to be able to consciously decide what are your reasons for why you're doing what you're doing with your child, do you like your reasons, and then just go with that. Another way fear-based parenting can have a negative impact on your kids is it can make them afraid to make decisions. And that fear can lead to a decreased self-confidence and more anxiety and a lack of resilience, all the things that we want our kids to have. So if you have a child with low self-esteem and low self-confidence, think of the things that may come as a result of that. So maybe they might find a friend group that they feel accepted in that doesn't have their best interest at heart and maybe they get involved in other things that aren't the best for them. They're trying to cope because they don't think they can handle it on their own, so they get involved with drugs or alcohol. Really, that is how I allowed myself to step back from this fear and anxious parenting place because I knew that I wanted my kids to feel confident and I wanted to just trust that they could handle anything that came their way. So even if they do make a mistake, drink alcohol at a party. I don't want to think, oh my gosh, your world is over. Why would you do that? And then be so anxious and fearful about it. I want to show up like, okay, that happened. What led up to that? Why did you want to do that? How did you feel when you were doing that? Did you like it? Do you want to keep doing it? I really want to get into that place where I can have that conversation without freaking out and just get to know my child. Because I know one, when they are in the right mind frame of what is best for me and they see that, okay, are their grades going to suffer? Are they going to feel amazing the next day? Um, I do think that our kids are capable of making the best decisions for them when they are given that choice. So I, that helps me to get really curious and open, have conversations that don't come from this place of like, no, I need you to act and behave a certain way to, I just want to get to know you and your experience, how you are feeling, how you are doing, and how can I help you? I have never seen that go wrong in the years that I have been doing this, where my child has intentionally disrespected or disobeyed me because I was connected with them. I've never seen that happen. So the more that you can connect with your child in a non-fear-based way, you just see that, okay, this happened. This is where we are at. How can we connect? How can you get curious about it without feeling like it's the end of the world? And I have a story with my oldest because I didn't always parent this way. I definitely am more naturally anxious and naturally fearful. And so with my oldest, I really wanted to prevent and control everything. And so let's just kind of honor our oldest children as they, as we learn, and they're kind of our guinea pigs, right? So a few years ago, she was out with friends, and I felt, felt like I was, I was getting better at letting her go out and not being so on top of her and like, what are you doing? Where are you, where are you at? Who are you with? She was older and um, it was a school night and it was like 10.30 at night and she wasn't home yet and she wasn't responding to texts. 
and I'm like leaning into it, noticing all the anxiety I'm feeling, breathing. It's all right. I'm sure she's fine. She's just out with friends. She's not seeing her, my texts. And keep in mind, she never not responded. That is something that if you have kids who don't have phones yet or they're new to phones, really establishing the habit of always responding which means you're not going to spam them, right? Like I don't send my kids a bunch of texts that I expect a response to, but they do know that they need to tell me where they're at. And if they don't respond right away, I'm going to call them or I'm going to go find them. <laughs> and I have done that before. I have gone to look for them. And that was the other thing that I actually really like. Uh, it's worked for us is starting the the phones and electronics out by being able to track them. So we all have our Life360 circle within our family, we're all on it so that I know where my kids are. And so I can see their location and it does help so that if they're at work or if they're at our friend's house or if they're on their way home and it's close to curfew, I don't need to text them and be like, where are you? Why aren't you home yet? Um, or when are you coming home? I just kind of know, okay, this is where they're at. And so that kind of helps me frame it as a way of hey, this helps you out because you will get less texts from me and it allows you to have more freedom with your phone. So I do like tracking them with Life360 and then I established that rule of like, hey, I just need to know where you're at. So if I text you, I expect a response. And if I don't get that response, just know I'm either calling you or I'm going to ping your phone or I'm going to track you down. And so um, that has helped. My kids will always typically respond. In this instance, when my daughter was out on this weekday night, she didn't respond and it was not typical behavior of her. So I immediately just go to this worst case scenario. Something has happened. She's been kidnapped. I need to call 911. Like it really doesn't take long for my brain to go from like everything is fine to I need to call 911. This is an emergency. All right. And, and so this is where we have work to do, if you can relate to this, if you're like me, where this is our work to do to manage. I don't need to put my anxiety onto my child for not responding, right? They're not creating the anxiety. I'm creating the anxiety by thinking thoughts and allowing my thoughts to spiral. So in this story, you know, I'm not hearing back from my daughter. It's a weeknight, so I typically expect her home. And she is home because she wakes up early the next day. So I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a problem here. I can track her. I see where she is. But also the location where it shows that she is, is like near the house where I thought she was, but also in the middle of nowhere. So I was like, that's really weird. What happened? Something has happened. So my husband and I get in the car and we go find her. We go to the house and we can hear people in the backyard, but she's not responding to us. And we're knocking on the door. No one is answering. So I don't know if the parents had gone to bed, but typically they would, they had a curfew there too. So it was just really weird that I hadn't heard from her and that no one was responding. But also not a lot of time had passed. And I really had allowed my fear to just fuel this extreme response. So we're just waiting for her to respond it takes a little bit of time. I actually texted a friend too, 
who I knew that her daughter was with my daughter and she kind of calmed me down and she's like, I'm sure they're fine. They're just having a good time or whatever. And this is one of the differences when you have an oldest child and this is why you need friends who are a few steps ahead of you because they can help you calm down because I can tell you now this situation would not happen to me. I've done it enough and I've been through it enough that this is why with our oldest kids, bless their hearts, they're just going to have to deal with it. So in this moment, I'm just waiting for her to text. She does respond and she was like, I am so sorry, mom. We were in the hot tub and time, we just lost track of time. We were having such a good time. And I believed her because like I said, she typically was really good at responding. This was not normal behavior. And so I believed her. I had no reason to not trust her. But I, but I also learned from this experience of letting my anxiety and fear drive where not hearing back from her really sent me down this, like, she is dead in a ditch somewhere. I need to call the police. And it induces a lot of anxiety in me. And so to be able to manage that will help you in the decisions you make in parenting. And so there are two things from this story that I want to highlight and that is where, you know, those thoughts are going to come that are going to make you feel fear. Like, what if there's an accident? What if something has happened? Accept the things that you know right now to be true. And don't let your thoughts run away from you. And so visualize your thoughts like a helium balloon, like, like a bunch of helium balloons, and you're holding on to those helium balloons. Don't let go of those helium balloons. So if those helium balloons are like your thoughts, and you let go of them, you're letting your thoughts run wild and create this story that is going to make you feel even more anxious and more fearful. Really hold on to those, those balloons and the anxiety and the fear that you feel will still be there, but you're going to also redirect your thoughts to not spin out, not get away from you, but to focus on, okay, what is true in this present moment? In this present moment, I am fine. My daughter is fine. I haven't heard otherwise. She could be having, you know, in this moment, my daughter was actually having a really great time with friends. And that's amazing. I want her to have a good time with friends. But instead of thinking that that could be just as true as this story I was telling myself that there was an emergency, I wanted to let my thoughts run away, let go of those thought balloons and believe that thought more than I wanted to believe the thought that all is well. She's having a good time. She just doesn't have her phone because she's in a hot tub. And actually that's great because I don't want her around her friends just on, her, on their phones. How often are our kids just, you know, in a circle of friends and then they're all looking down at their phones. So it's actually amazing that she didn't have her phone. She's enjoying her friends and she just didn't get back to me in that time frame that I needed her to. And that was okay. You know, I didn't want to make my daughter feel like she was in trouble or she had done something wrong because I was feeling anxious. Does that make sense? So notice when your mind just is going to this future place where everything has gone wrong and it's the end of the world and you can't handle it. Really try not to let your brain go there. It's just some anxiety and fear that you're feeling. Keep holding tight onto those balloons, like visualize it, stay present in the moment what else is true? That's another question that I like to ask myself to just keep me present in the moment. Think about your breathing. What can you see, feel, taste, or touch that's going to help keep you grounded? To keep your thoughts tethered 
to those balloons, hang on to them and don't let them get away from you. Your brain is really good at spitting out into a story that will make your anxiety worse. So if you can hold on to those thoughts, keep them tethered, they won't get away from you. You can just allow them to be there. Allow your feelings to be there. It's okay. It's not dangerous. It's not going to hurt you. And you can handle, you can handle it. So, you know, shout out to our oldest children who have to experience what it's like to have a parent learn these lessons, right? And so now it's something that I can connect with with my daughter. It's a story that we have. It's not like I regret the way that I handled it, but I can look back and see and learn from it, basically. So if you have, haven't gotten to this stage of parenting in your life, just buckle up. It's so much fun and it does get better. It might feel hard right now and you might do things wrong. And this is why I'm, I want to really encourage you to not be afraid to do it wrong or look back and think, oh man, I did not handle that in the best way. It's all right. You can get better. You can improve. You can mend your relationships. You can change the course of where you're at right now, and it's okay. Recognize that the feelings you have are created from the thoughts that you are thinking. So in this instant, I was thinking thoughts that were creating a lot of feelings of anxiety and fear because the thoughts that I had were giving me a story, wasn't even true, and it was a very, very scary story that I was creating for myself. When my daughter was just having a great time, she wasn't doing anything wrong. And that's where, as a mom, I just need to check myself and think, is this how I want to show up? And so then when she does respond, when she did respond, I didn't want to get mad at her for having a good time and not having her phone with, with her at all times, right? That's making my daughter manage myself. I don't want to punish her for not responding at the exact moment I need her to respond, and this is where you as the parent get to make those decisions for you and your family because there is no manual that says exactly what to do at different instances. And so trust yourself to know, can you trust your child? Is this just a mistake? They don't need punished for it. They don't need to feel bad that you were anxious, right? Or fearful. But you can have a conversation about it. And I did have a conversation with my daughter and I told her, oh my gosh, I was so scared and we came and looked for you. And she, she was like, oh my gosh, I would have been so embarrassed, mom, if they would have answered the door and had to come find me. She was like a senior in high school. So of course she would have been embarrassed. And, and that's another thing that I tell my kids, hey, if you don't respond right away, you're going to feel embarrassed because I'm going to come find you and it's not going to be fun. And that's okay too. But there's a time for that. And then there's a time for, I don't need to punish my child for not responding right away. And I definitely don't want to embarrass them if they're not, if they're not doing anything wrong. And it's just something that I need to manage within myself. So the goal is not to avoid the fear and anxiety. The goal is to just be able to process it, notice it, and don't make our kids do it for us. And that's where you will start making better decisions. And sometimes you do have to go through things and do it the wrong way before you figure out how to do it a different way. So it's okay. Um, like I would not respond that way anymore with any of my other kids. And I don't really regret the way I did respond. Like it's a, it's part of our story now. It's part of my parenting journey. And now my daughter and I can laugh about it. But when you know better, you do better. And when you feel better, you parent better.
So the goal really is essentially to connect with our kids, to support them and love them, get the best out of them, have the most influence we can over them. And in order to do that, it comes down to that connection. Get curious. You can't freak out. So notice the thoughts that are making you want to freak out. What are you believing that feels like the end of the world? And I'm here to tell you, it is not the end of the world. Wherever your teenager is at, whatever they are doing, it is not the end of the world. It's not the end. And so many times I coach parents on, on just feeling like they have failed or their, their child has failed and they are just so worried. And on the other side of that, you know, the fear and the anxiety is going to come up, that feeling of grief for your child not having the experience that you thought they would have, they're having a different experience, still doesn't mean it's the end of the world. But you can you can grieve that, that learning that things don't happen the way that we want them to sometimes. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean you can't connect with them. It doesn't mean you can't love them through it and feel connected to them. Don't attach your worth to your child's behavior. If you're doing that, you're disconnecting that relationship automatically because you can't connect. If they will feel your disappointment and it's not going to help them make better decisions. So the goal, of course, that end goal is you want your child to make the best decisions that they can, but they need to feel confident that they and capable that they can make good decisions. And if they aren't currently making good decisions, and they feel shamed, and they feel your disappointment in them. I think sometimes we think that that disappointment is going to just make them go, oh, oh yeah, I did something wrong. Now I need to correct myself. I want that approval from my parents, or I don't want to disappoint them. Sometimes that works, but most of the time, it just makes that child feel worse and worse. And they'll just keep following that pattern of making wrong, wrong decision after wrong decision. And so allowing yourself to step back, give your teenager the freedom to choose. When they have the freedom to choose, use their agency, they're going to make better decisions because we want to be happy. We want to connect with others. Like that's intrinsic in all of us is to connect with others that want to connect with us. And so I keep going off on tangents, but this is where... If your teenager doesn't feel connected at home or approved of at home, and they have a friend group that is a little more rebellious or they're, they're not who you want your kids to hang out with, but that's where they feel accepted, that is where they are going to end up. And so it's so important to have that connection at home, um, that loving environment that they feel safe, even if they're not making the decisions that they know they should be making. You can still create a safe, inclusive, inviting environment in your home that's supportive and loving, and it will be the best way that you can help your teenager make better decisions. So if you find this podcast helpful, first, if you have any questions or if you want coached, even in just a 30-minute session, I coach in 30-minute free sessions. I will put a link in the show notes so that you can get that scheduled. It's, there's no pressure to join any group or to get coached one-on-one in a long package. Sometimes that 30-minute free session can just help you 
process how you're feeling, how you're thinking, and find a new way to think that's going to help you feel better and essentially change the things that you say and do with your child. So utilize that free session if you find that that's something that sounds helpful to you. I would love to connect with you that way. If you just find this podcast helpful and love listening, share it with someone that you think would need it too or benefit with it too. Leave me a review. That really does help to get my podcast in front of more people. So if you find this helpful, I would love to read a review from you. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week.